This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to episode 93 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is one of the most impressive young actors in the business, Jesse Plemons. The 28-year-old Texan has been working ever since he was a child and made his name on three classic TV series. First, as Landry, a high school student on Friday Night Lights, which aired from 2006 through 2011. Then, from 2012 through 2013, as Todd, a sociopath who teams up with Walter White in the two-part final season of Breaking Bad. And then this year, as a small-town butcher who finds himself in big trouble on Fargo, for which he received a Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series Emmy nomination. Plemons has been prolific on the big screen as well, having played the son of a cult leader in 2012's The Master and appeared in three major 2015 films, as a soldier in Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies, a cold-blooded killer opposite Johnny Depp in Black Mass, and a disgraced cyclist in Stephen Freer's The Program. This year, he's receiving some of his best notices yet for his work in the indie drama that opened the Sundance Film Festival back in January, Chris Kelly's Other People. In the film, Plemons plays a gay comedy writer living in the big city who returns home to be with his mother as she goes through the final stages of a battle with cancer. Meanwhile, his character goes through a crisis of sorts as well. Over the course of our conversation, Plemons and I talk about how he got his start at such a young age, even working with the person who people long have said he looks like, Matt Damon, when he was just 11. We also talk about the story behind the shocking twist involving his character during season two of Friday Night Lights, what he learned from the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, and why he, like Hoffman, sees himself as a character actor even if he occasionally plays leads. We discuss what his audition for Star Wars The Force Awakens entailed and what it was like working with Molly Shannon and Zach Woods in Other People, a film with a scene that caused a few walkouts at Sundance but has moved and impressed far many more. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jesse, thank you so much for coming in and doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you. So we always begin just basics. Where were you born and raised and what did or do your folks do for a living? I was born in Dallas, Texas, and... I think when I was around four or five, I moved to this tiny little town east of Waco, Texas, by about 20 miles, called Mart, like one stoplight sort of town. <laughs> and my dad is a fireman. He just retired right before we started Fargo, I think, so like mm. a couple of years ago. And then my mom is a teacher. So. Now, were movies or TV a big part of your life growing up? I had read something about Lonesome Dove being a big thing. Yeah, that's the one movie I can't shut up about because <laughs> I, I watched it so many times. I mean, they were like, those characters were like family members to me. But uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up watching westerns and loving movies. And when I, was, when I was growing up in Texas, there were quite a few like TV movies and westerns being filmed there and my family and I would we would you know go be extras and <laughs> I just immediately loved the weird world and you know thought it was interesting and so it really was like when you say you started young this was like very, very young yeah what are we like t- three and a half like two and a half two like and a half I got a Coca-Cola commercial <laughs> which Cute kid? Basically, yeah, right. a little ginger kid swinging a rope, <laughs> drinking Coca-Cola. That was <laughs> that was the, the, the big start. Where it all started. Right, yeah. and and so when along the line did it start that you were dividing your time between Texas and L.A.? Because that seems to have started early also. Yeah, I think around 11 or 12, we started doing the whole trip for pilot season staying at Oakwood that whole thing (laughs) yeah around then and that came about because you had gotten a taste of it in Texas and you said I want more of this or what was the what was the root of that yeah I mean after after that little commercial that I did when I was young I got an agent in Austin and Dallas and just really enjoyed like I said, the, the the environment and coming from a town of like 2,000 people, I had never seen anything like that. And, you know, just liked dressing up and playing make-believe and playing like a cowboy, I guess. And then I think had some success and got a couple of lines in this movie, Varsity Blues, yeah. when I was like yeah. 10 or 11, <laughs> played Paul Walker's little brother and... Um, and eventually just bugged my parents enough to to give LA a shot and we we all we all went out and um yeah I still remember our first trip to Melrose the four of us like my <laughs> mother in her blue jean like dress and which she'll be very upset that I brought that <laughs> up but it was yeah, it was definitely a culture shock and a long time, you know, in the making of right. most of my life. But. Particularly 
people have commented in recent years that you have a resemblance to Matt Damon a little bit, and particularly after Breaking Bad, I think the nickname was was Meth Damon. So I wanted to ask you though, that's that they think they're being you know original, but this actually was noticed long, long ago. What was the original Matt Damon connection? Well, the original Matt Damon connection was, I think my aunt saw Good Will Hunting. I know what Jesse's gonna look like. <laughs> that was, that was where I heard it first. But then uh, I auditioned for um, this movie, All the Pretty Horses, and and got the part to play Matt Damon as a young boy. And that was just such an incredible experience. Billy Bob Thornton was incredible, and he played catch in between scenes. And Matt Damon was great. My scenes were cut, but that's, <laughs> well, there's that's there's okay. a story with that too, right? I mean, you you were not. They should have maybe made you aware of that, right? Well, we didn't ask <laughs> in their defense. <laughs> we didn't know that that was a possibility, I guess. But yeah, they they were cut, and uh, you know, my mom had had talked to our local theater and got a like private screening early, and I invited this girl that I had a crush on. And, I was supposed to be the opening scene, and and then I was sort of thinking, well, maybe they maybe they <laughs> rearranged this all, and that wasn't the case. But like I said, it was it was still I, that was such a great experience. Yeah. So. so the big break, I I would guess, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, but it seems like it would have been Friday Night Lights, and and so from your perspective, I guess just how'd you first even hear about it, and was it immediately clear that that would be a big deal if it if it worked out? I first heard about it like I hear about any other audition. And I'd seen the movie and really liked the movie. But at that time, there hadn't really been too many shows that were based off of movies. So I was a little skeptical mm-hmm. of what, what it was going to be. And then read the script and was like immediately drawn to it. And originally auditioned for Matt Saracen and I had I had just done an episode of Grey's Anatomy uh, that Linda Lowy cast uh-huh, me in and uh-huh. she cast Friday Night Lights and so we read through Matt Saracen and I'm like okay I mean he hardly says anything right. in the pilot and then she handed me the pages for Landry and the version of that scene would have never ever ever made it um what were they asking you to do well it was it was this rant that that it's in the pilot but it's different it's different in the version that made it Uh, i don't even remember what i was talking about in the pilot but this was like (laughs) this was like landry ranting about tom cruise and katie holmes like (laughs) flying a helicopter it was absolutely like peeperg beautiful right. insanity right. <laughs> I was like I have to play this guy right, like, right. and it was one of the few instances where it was just I don't know I felt like immediately I, I understood him and understood kind of the humor that they were after with with him and was just kind of it was kind of love at first sight with that character and it was kind of ironic because you were the only guy on the show who actually played football as I understand and yet you were the guy who wasn't playing football right (laughs) so during season one you were mostly basically like comic relief season two it 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 changed in a major way and I just wonder if you know 
because Pete's talked about it, but was it communicated to you why that changed? Not really. I mean, it seemed like the, there were a few things that happened in season two that seemed to be a result of the network trying to get more viewers and maybe amp up the drama a little bit. And so I think there was a little bit of that. And, I mean, that storyline, people had such a strong response to <laughs> immediately. And We should just say for anyone who's... I don't think it's a spoiler alert after this many years uh, even necessary, but we'll just say this is the murder of the attempted rapist, right? And what I was referencing about what, what Pete had said was that that same person who attempted the rape in season two had done that in season one, had right attempted in season end, one yeah. as well. And Peterberg said, quote, the way Jesse played those scenes in season one, he was bringing so much to the table, we realized we had this actor who was capable of doing so much more, close quote. And so I guess that may have somewhat opened up the possibilities for season two. But that scene in season two, which really, as you say, shocked a lot of people about your character, about you know, that you would do this, all of this. What was, did you realize it was going to rock the boat as much as it, as it ended up doing? I just remember being excited to, to have, you know, something, something different and to like take this character that I, that I already loved so much. And it was definitely my first series and the longest I'd spent with the character at that point. And I was just excited to like see what that would be like to right. put him through something <laughs> like that as sadistic as that yeah. sounds but the other thing that I remember Pete saying later on was that there was an actual you know he he spent every weekend for a while in uh, Westlake and would stay with these families and there was adjacent street there were you know some of the names uh-huh. he took directly from real people and there was a Landry Clark who I think in the first season I think he spoke to Pete about how it's like you know that's great and all that you made me a character but why did you have to make me like the the nerd right. you know? and so <laughs> they gave him a little edge and yeah this is actually kind of well, I thought you were going to say this guy confessed something to, to Pete <laughs> no it's actually like really heartbreaking story but he he passed and I oh think it was sort of Pete's way of honoring him by wow in this strange way having him wind up with you know the hot girl right 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 <laughs> and just a quick follow up on this was that actually shot a different way than the one that aired was that initially the killing of the attempted rapist yeah I think we used that poor the poor guy that played the attempted rapist <laughs> <laughs> died twice the first time was like a 40 ounce bottle and then they decided that they needed to step it up with a pipe <laughs> the pipe <laughs> so he died twice well you, you killed him twice. That's yeah. Yeah. So, the thing that it sounds like made acting on that show special and usual was that maybe a the documentary style you're always on camera basically, and b that improv was encouraged. Is that all correct from your point of view? I mean, did it change? It was it a different acting experience because of those things? Yeah, it's almost like I was 18 when I got that show. It's it, like almost doesn't feel real what we were allowed to do then just 
you know, I, I'd done a reasonable amount of, I guess, during work on episodic stuff, but he, Pete, like, after the pilot, after we got picked up, he, we had this dinner, and he basically told us, look, I'm not going to be here. It's on you. If if the script doesn't ring true, change it. These are your characters. And, and to see in that first season everyone kind of testing the waters and like coming into their own, like if, uh, that was probably the closest thing to college for yeah. me, you know, and the best acting class I could have ever taken. Yeah. And just so much fun. It felt like we were getting away with things that we shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys really, you were so much of a unit and made each other better that after it ended, a year after after the show ended, you, Berg, and Taylor Ketch were back together on Battleship. Maybe it's not as acclaimed as Friday Night Lights, it's but not. it was. No, you might have, you might not. I'm <laughs> sorry to break that. the news. I know. <laughs> but, I mean, what Pete said was, quote, about you, he said, quote, I know that he's really good for Taylor and he makes Taylor better. So I wrote that whole part for Jesse. I never thought of it as a Friday Night Lights reunion. I thought of it as protection, bringing a trusted family member in. So was this your first like big movie experience? Yeah. And probably still to date, like, the biggest movie yeah. experience I've been involved in. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was still a lot of fun. I mean, filming in, we filmed in Hawaii and then uh, like a month in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Pete and I love Taylor. And yeah, it, it was definitely bizarre to be on a movie of that size. Um, I mean, just even going through at lunch and seeing the amount <laughs> of food, it was like, Somehow, what is <laughs> it's a surreal, yeah, 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 truly. Does it change the way that you go about your job? Do you give a broader performance or something when you're in a big movie like that? I don't know if I was really thinking about it like that. I mean, everything you do has its own tone, I guess. Uh -huh. um, but I, I wouldn't say I was like acting bigger right, because right. <laughs> it was a bigger movie so with that being an exception most of what I've read you were offered after Friday Night Lights were comedic parts why would that have been not that you weren't funny on Friday but you know it just seems like was that what you found that this was what people were going to for I think that's just sort of the way the way the business goes it's like people sort of see you as whatever you were last in that they liked right and so and I, I, I enjoy both, and especially projects that have all of it in them. Right. You know? um, One that was, I guess, in some ways funny, but in a very, very dark way, was The Master. And with this... It was funny. <laughs> it was funny. Than I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. Working for Paul Thomas Anderson opposite Philip Seymour Hoffman, you're the only guy who sort of is the truth teller in the inner circle of this this guy who's leading basically a cult was this exciting daunting to be with you know now doing a film with like the cream of the crop that's yeah I, those those sort of things i mean i hope they don't 
just come once in a lifetime because it was so incredible. But if it did, like I'm, I'm good. That was uh, the great thing about that was I had a couple really fun scenes, but um, I was there throughout, and I got to just watch and learn and just sort of take everything in. Just watching those three find a scene was was something. Anderson, you know, Hoffman. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, and, yeah, Hoffman, yeah. What is it about Hoffman that was so special? I mean, I've loved his work even at that point for a really long time I don't just the complexity of every of every character that he plays you can't you can't pin him in any certain hole with any role that he plays like you you run like the whole gamut of feelings about the people that he plays and he was just uh, you know an incredible incredible person Mm -hmm. um yeah. The trajectory of your character in that script changed a lot. Wasn't it at first a little bit more resolved what becomes of this guy? Yeah, initially, God, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but I ran away, I think, mm-hmm. and, and then he found me, I think. Like in England or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. But as it ended up, it was just more vague, which might be better. Which I like. Yeah. I always like yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. So coming off of that, I believe, just to have the chronology correct, is that when you first heard about Breaking Bad? I mean, not heard about I actually think like... Battleship was before was before The Master. Uh-huh. And there were like, you know, a year or so of auditions and sort of trying to find the next Friday Night Lights. Yeah, yeah. But you were you were not opposed to to doing another series on TV. No, not at all. Just looking for something inspiring. Yeah. And, and a part that I really wanted to play. And it's just it's just like everything else. It's like I had almost gotten to a point where I was like I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Like almost given up. Really? And then, not not literally, but it was just like, it was like a year or two of, you know, Friday Night Lights was such a blessing and a curse because it raised the bar and kind <laughs> right. of spoiled me in such a way. And then obviously going to the master, like, I was very spoiled <laughs> and, and just wanted something that uh, scared me enough and inspired me enough and then got this got this audition scene for, for, for Breaking Bad and I hadn't seen it at that time and it was just like a dummy scene that they wrote that was sort of had the themes of the character but it, you know it was like military circumstances and it was the character's name was Paul I thought <laughs> so I was just I was just excited to have a scene to go in and like play with in an audition like, and was this honestly, in front of Vince or who was who was there no, just the casting yeah. director and her assistant, and I, I remember it's usually a good sign when I when I leave, and I'm like, I don't care what happens. It was fun, yeah. you know. It was, it, was, it was amazing writing, and it was a fun audition. And then I think a few days passed, and then I heard that I got it, and then I think I was leaving to go to New Mexico the next day or the day wow. after that, and they had sent the script, and then I was combing through the script looking for Paul and then 
eventually put it together that I was playing Todd. Todd, right. I wasn't in the military. Right. <laughs> and in fact, how quickly did it emerge? I'm trying to remember, how quickly was it clear that you were a, a sociopath? Well, definitely in my second episode right. when I shot the <laughs> that kid. Was, yeah, the bike, the kid on the dirt bike, yeah. When you read that development, did that come as a total shock to you, or had you been given a little indication from Vince or somebody that that was the kind of guy you were playing? Um, the breakdown was really vague and kind of, it said something like, Fresh-faced, innocuous, but he's he's high. He got something to hide, or he's mm-hmm. hiding something. So I thought that was interesting. I didn't know what he was hiding. Was that he was a <laughs> lunatic? <laughs> and then he, you know. Um, but the the most bizarre thing was, you know, I, I was just a recurring character the, the first season. So or the f- first part of the first season. Part of yeah. The, you know, yeah, yeah. It's weird how they. And so I would get the scripts like a couple of days in advance, and the first episode I just had a couple of lines where I like tipped Walter off about some cameras or something, and then read the second episode I was in and was like cornering every writer trying to get some information, and and they were all like sworn to secrecy and wouldn't tell me anything, but were looking at me as if. I was Todd. <laughs> like, get this guy away from really me. Really yeah. confusing right, right. thing. Yeah. And that scene itself, just any any memories of the execution of it? That's going to be in your reel forever now, so I've got to ask. I finally, luckily Vince was there, and I, I finally convinced him to give me some sort of direction, and... I, I don't feel like I know anything about this guy. Like, how does he? How does he do this? Or he's like, well, you know, when you're driving and you see a raccoon in the road, and you can either like, if you swerve to the left, you're going to the ditch. If you swerve to the right, you know, you'll hit a car. He's like, well, what do you do? That was like the most pragmatic answer you could ever give. And, and, but it's somehow uh, like I sort of based everything off of that you hit the <laughs> raccoon. Like, okay, it's like a pragmatic right. sociopath. Right. How quickly did you feel the impact of that show, which was obviously a phenomenon, on your career? Because it seems like the show ends in 2013, and by 2015, we're seeing you in movies that obviously had to have been greenlit not long after Breaking Bad ended we're talking about Steven Spielberg's Bridge of Spies your soldier we've got you as a, another killer in in Black Mass for with along with Johnny Depp I mean were those things the result of Breaking Bad do you think um I know Breaking Bad definitely helped uh, I think Scott told me that Scott Cooper who mm-hmm. directed Black Mass told me he saw me in the master and that yeah. was what got me that um I don't know if it was a direct result, but I know it definitely helped. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even at that point, I think people hadn't really... I think people are still sort of watching Friday Night Lights. So yeah. Knowing very little about that, about Breaking Bad when I went into it, and then, you know, I watched all of it right. before I started, and I, I've never been involved in, like, cultural phenomenon like that. Uh-huh. Does Spielberg give any indication of how he thought of you for that? I, 
don't remember. I I had actually, I, f I forget what what it was that he saw me in, but I had auditioned for the Clint East Eastwood movie American Sniper yeah. when he was supposed to direct it. Ah. And I had done a scene from uh, Black Hawk Down, mm -hmm. and and then he fell out of that, and then had this part. And yeah, I think that's how it came. Yeah. About. So we're coming off a Emmy season in which you were recognized for playing this this very memorable character on Fargo, Ed Blumquist, and this guy. If people are still catching up, small town butcher gets sucked into a cover-up of a murder if it was possible to do a second Fargo series that was even better than the first I think this was it people loved it and I just wonder had you seen the first and were you immediately sold on the idea of, of doing this I hadn't seen the first season I had a bunch of friends that told me I should watch it and I sort of had a similar reaction as I did to the Friday Night Lights show mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, I sort of kind of was like, do you really need that? And then I watched it and was amazed that Noah pulled it off and it, it felt like a continuation. And I actually, I was so blown away by Bob Odenkirk's performance. I thought he was so good in the yeah. first season. Yeah. And then I met Noah in Austin and just like immediately trusted him. His vision of the world was so clear, and yeah, it was just incredible writing. And the few other things that require of you, first of all, you'd had to put on a bit of weight for Black Mass. That actually proved useful for this, right? It was. It did. It was built in for Ed. Yeah. <laughs> and that was because just it, he made it clear that Ed should be a little chunky. He, yeah, he told me he wanted me to keep it, which <laughs> was a little discouraging to hear at first <laughs> because it had already felt like a long time that I was carrying it around but yeah you need a meaty a meaty butcher I think right and and he had even given you I think a metaphor right of like why was why was him why was he telling you to and in fact there was a portrait I think in the house in the oh, show yeah this is a I cow <laughs> really wish I would have stolen that <laughs> yeah and and the, the my first question I think that I asked him was in the script, he likens Ed to a cow. I was like, I, I love that, but I don't understand what you mean, <laughs> what you mean by that. And his answer was like, I was like, do you mean? He's like, dumb, because I, I grew up in Texas and worked on a ranch, and you know, cows are like very sweet, but not the brightest. <laughs> and and he said, no, I just mean like. If he were in the animal kingdom, that would, you know, he's not a predator. He's like, uh, wants to graze. Right, and right, be right. Happy and but he obviously evolved over the court in terms of his maybe ability to be aggressive. And you had said in another interview that I read here that you were almost thinking of your dad in terms of how he became the, the more protective husband of his wife who was in deep trouble here. Well, I don't know if I, it's, it's tricky to talk about, but I don't know. It, I think it was m more so just the like unflinching, unfaltering like loyalty and devotion, like you know, like cut and dry. 
protect your family at all costs and no questions asked sort of mentality. But my dad hasn't murdered anyone. No, no. <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs> and then just the, the other thing that could have gone very wrong, the accent. You guys had time to, how did you get that down? That can really go off the rails. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was that was definitely nerve-wracking. But we, we had a great dialect coach, David Lorraine, that they used for the first season. And he put together this all these different clips and um, I think the very first like YouTube video that I clicked on I was like oh holy shit that's that's it that was way easier than I thought it would be and then I I, I just listened to it over and over again and then worked with them and he was there every day and right and I would guess that on the series your closest collaborator was Kirsten Dunst did you guys immediately hit it off? Were you able to learn things from each other when you're working that closely with somebody over the course of, that must have been a lot of days to produce a series. What was the takeaway there? I just kind of immediately trusted her and felt like we approached things similarly. And yeah, it was just, it was a lot of fun. So post Fargo, Rather than taking a break, which I think you were being urged to do by a lot of people because this had been a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, you, I believe, went right into this movie opposite Tom Cruise that's still to come, but then also other people, which ended up opening Sundance this year and is on a probably very different scale than the Tom Cruise movie, I would guess. What was the appeal to you of doing other people? How did you first hear about it? I read the script to other people before Black Mass, I think, and I don't know, it just felt like such an honest and different take on a kind of, if you can call it a genre, like a cancer movie, but on a, on a, on a type of movie that you've seen a lot, and it was just, I don't know, I, it's hard to explain why I, you know you read something and you just feel like you have to do it but it was one of those experiences where I, you know I wasn't even sure at that point if it was going to be made and then and then I met Chris and loved Chris and and we should say for people who still need to catch up on it that basically as I understand it you were essentially playing Chris who was recalling what it was like to come home from the big city to be with his mother during the last stages of her battle with cancer. And so you and Chris, you know, there are some big differences. And I just wonder for you, one of them is obviously that Chris is gay. And first of all, is this the first time that you're playing, you know, basically a surrogate for the writer-director? Yeah, that, that this was a first on a lot of levels. Yeah, on a lot of, <laughs> right. a lot of levels. Because part B then is, you know, I guess in the same way I would ask you if you were playing any any number of variety of, of types of characters is do you feel maybe a, a greater sense of pressure or responsibility when you who are not gay are playing somebody who is gay? Does that come with a, a bit of a extra sense of I better get this right or better be respectful or whatever? I always feel like that. It's definitely easier when it's your own creation and you're not there's not some 
living person that's going to watch it. Saying, <laughs> that's not that's not right. <laughs> I mean, Black Mass and well, and and then the cycling movie I did. They were right. both they were both real people, and I was like, that was different just because I I wasn't able to really have any contact with either of them, and so that was like you know reading a bunch of books and looking at videos and hoping that they were accurate but this was unique just just having him there and and it also being being such a personal story and like that was what I was drawn to was uh-huh. like the heart in it and the honesty and so there was there was an added responsibility and it was just you know he told me early on that he that you know he didn't want me to at all do an impersonation mm-hmm. or anything like that but you know he was like basically whatever i wanted it to be and i sort of told him all along i don't get creeped out if i'm following you around and right i don't it just i think because i was a little well extremely nervous and anxious about about getting it right and telling the story that was such a huge part of his life right and obviously you know not playing quote unquote like gay you know like some stereotype uh-huh. that was the last thing I wanted to do um, it was extremely helpful having him there and um, I definitely stole a lot right. and I just thought he was like a really really interesting guy yeah. and he was telling a story he was telling a story about a time you know that doesn't at all glorify himself you know yeah. he, there's some he, pretty he, rough things that he shows himself going yeah. through yeah and the way that he the way that he responded to what life was throwing at him was you know I'm sure like a lot of people you know, respond to things that they can't understand. And I thought it was really admirable and and sort of forced me to be as honest with myself as he was mm-hmm. in the script. And I read his 20-day shoot. What was the... Do you know what the budget was? No. It's, like, pretty minuscule, no. though. And does that produce better works sometimes when you when you just have to all hunker down small unit and just grind it out over a very short period I think sometimes money can get in the way um, I mean I'm a huge fan of Cassavetti's movies mm-hmm. and I strongly believe that money you know it's just the devil and I don't know I, I think it's it's all I think a bit of like struggle and being creative and your ways of making it work is good. You know, it's definitely, I think, probably the most difficult 21 days, yeah. <laughs> working days of my career, but probably the most rewarding and right. fulfilling. And it also resulted in what a lot of people think was Molly Shannon's best performance. And so you saw that as close, as up close as anybody. What do you yeah. make of it? I mean, she <laughs> she really blew me away on so many different levels. I I was 
you know, so sort of insular, which is, you know, what the character sort of was and could easily kind of get in my head and withdraw and, you know, I'm pretty critical of myself and I don't know, I, th I think sort of the vibe in between takes was probably pretty similar yeah. to the movie, yeah. you know. And I, I was just amazed at, one, who she is as a person, because I grew up watching her on Saturday yeah. Night Live, and I, I've probably watched Superstar more <laughs> times than I needed to. Yeah. I don't know, but I love that movie. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, she's just the sweetest person, and like such an amazing actress. And yeah. I was very fortunate to get to work with her. And another very funny person who was playing a character unlike we've really seen before was Zach Woods and you guys you know he's playing your character's ex and uh, I think you guys uh, <laughs> I think you guys had you know some very interesting variety of interesting scenes together at Sundance when this movie was unveiled some people I guess seemed to resist the the most vulnerable scene that you two had together I guess there were I wasn't there but I've read there were a few walkouts with that particular scene, the the sex scene. What is it that these people, if you could speak to them, what's the bigger picture here that they're they clearly fail to see? That really shocked me that people walked out of that uh, during that scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't seem that graphic to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, and what sort of got me through filming it was focusing on just like what a kind of like heartbreaking sad and sweet relationship they had mm -hmm. it was like over but they were still supporting each other and there was still this connection even though they both knew you know it was over I love that whole scene especially well they definitely missed the scene after right I did that on his chest <laughs> <laughs> well do you know though the thing that I'm sure must make you feel good and also Chris is that so many of the eventual reviews and things people have commented it's it's so unusual and refreshing to see three-dimensional gay characters in movies today where that's not the main point of what the movie is about it just happens to be the situation here and with the good the bad and the ugly things that come with with anybody's life so that must have probably been hardening after all the, especially after a few of these schmoes walked out. Or... Well, and that's not why I wanted to play this part. Right. It's like, you know, I, I forget exactly what age David's supposed to be, but I think it's, it's in some ways a coming-of-age story and accepting parts of yourself that, that you don't necessarily like or, and accepting realities in the world that you don't necessarily like and I never looked at it as like okay now I'm playing a gay character there were like physical physical things that I you know had to focus on but it was there was so much of it that it's like yeah I know I know what that's yeah <laughs> I understand that you know I think everyone does yeah and everyone at some point or at another some point deals will. with yeah yeah so the last two things, if I may, just first of all, can you clarify a rumor report? Did you go in for Star Wars, The Force Awakens? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was that about? Did yeah, you ever see uh, 
the all of the like fake auditions on Conan with with like, I I heard about it. I didn't see it. My audition was probably a lot like that. It was so bad. <laughs> so you, you what were you so doing bad. lightsaber stuff in the in the audition? I mean, I might as well. Have been. <laughs> but it this was really bad. I I just I had seen the movies, but I wasn't necessarily like a, a huge fan of of them. Like enjoyed them, but right. it felt like it was out of my realm comfort zone or whatever <laughs> yeah and then you just don't know anything you just get these couple of scenes and, you know it's a language that I don't understand it, which is like, I apologize to JJ from so many times <laughs> well I guess that's good because it probably would have precluded other people and some yeah, other things true, so yeah. last question in a 2012 interview that I came across preparing for this you said, quote, down the road, I may have to decide if I'm a character actor or a lead actor, but right now I can't look at it like that, close quote. You've just been nominated for a lead actor performance in Fargo, but I think that there's no denying that that guy and the guy and other people, and so many of these are characters. They're not just you playing yourself, which seems to be what a lot of major stars do in leading parts. So I just wonder, what's the update on that? assessment how do you see yourself in 2016 i'm a character actor forever man (laughs) i uh honestly i don't i i really don't care about the size of the part at all it's just like if there's a good scene and an interesting character and like a chance for me to do something that i feel like i haven't done before that's all i really want to do um and you know being the lead actor is hard too. <laughs> other people, it was like a kind of a reality check. Like I have newfound respect for you know that responsibility, and the answer to your question is just I find people fascinating, and um, I don't know. I want to keep playing around with as many different types of people as I possibly can and continue to get better that's really all I care about awesome well you're doing a great job and I really appreciate you doing this thank you thanks man thanks for having me absolutely